I know all of us at some point in our life have found ourselves in way over our heads, and, and I'll never forget the day it was for me. I'll never forget the way the nurse looked at me. You know, here I was, and Elizabeth was this big. I grabbed her like a football, and the nurse looks at me like, you've never done this before. <laughs> I kind of looked at her like, just how does this child seat thing actually work? You know, they, no one ever teaches you in school when you're a kid growing up, hey, one of these days you're going to have to know how to put that child seat in because a nurse isn't going to give you your kid till that thing is in. For those of you who haven't had a child recently, the nurse is not going to give you your kid till that child seat's in the back passing it. I remember thinking to myself, I'm supposed to be a dad. I can't even put the child seat in. Right then I knew, wow, I am in over my, I'm in way over my head, right? I'm in way over my head and I need help. Lord, help me. I can remember that. I remember crying out, Lord, help me. Have you ever from time to time looked at people in the Bible and said, Dad, come it, I wish I was there to have seen that, right? You ever look at the events in the Bible and say, I'd like to go back in time and see that. I'd like to have been there and done that. I'd like to have been there. Oh, experience that. Well, today in 1 Kings chapter 3, you know, early on in my life, if I'd have read about King Solomon and his wisdom, it wouldn't have really impressed me that much because I didn't care much for that. I didn't think I needed that. But you know, when I brought my child home, first place I went was King Solomon and his gift and said, Lord, Lord, please, I need that. Give me that, right? Because, you know, Solomon, he was a young man and he found himself taking over a kingdom and he found himself way over his head and being wise, he did the one thing that can make the difference. He prayed to God, help me. God, help me. And as we look in, in chapter three, verse seven, we see that Solomon, even as a child, knew where his help come from. Right? He knew where to go when he needed help. He knew who he could turn to in times of need and get what he needed. And he cries out to God and he says, Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David. But I am only a little child and I do not know how to carry out my duties. And your servant is here among the people. You have chosen a great people too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? And the Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, since you have asked for this and not for a long life or wealth or for yourself, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both riches and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in my ways and obey my statutes and commands as David your father did, I will give you a long life. Oh, wouldn't you like to hear that? Wouldn't you like God to say to you, by golly, I'm going to make you 
wise. I'm going to give you wisdom. There's never going to be another one like you. Ooh, I would have liked to have heard that. Because, you know, throughout my life, I kind of have been a foolish young man. I look back on my life and I say, oh, golly, without God, I'd have never made it here. Right? I, I, I did foolish things and, and, and I always thought I knew better than I knew. And I'd made so many discoveries about myself, some of which weren't really what I wanted to find out. But those discoveries have, have shaped me and created me. And as I look at his life and, and the things he accomplished, it's incredible. If you study the life of Solomon, he was an incredible man. People from around the world came to learn and to study from him just to be in his presence and his great wisdom. There would be kings and queens come from other countries just to study the things that he could accomplish. He, he developed and built irrigation systems, and he built great, great cities. And he also developed a great many of the hybrids that we know about and deal with today. Solomon had a complete understanding of nature and God's creation. God had gifted him with all this knowledge to be successful. Boy! Wouldn't you like to have gotten that? Wouldn't you have, isn't that a gift? You say, wow, he set him up to succeed, right? Well, he really gave him what he needed to succeed in life. And you know what the, is neat about Solomon? He was so smart that he decided he'd write that down so that everybody could have it. So, hey, my friends, if you ever looked at Solomon and said, boy, I wish I'd have got that, you did get it. I hate to tell you, maybe it's good news, maybe it's not. You have the same gift Solomon had. Because Solomon was so wise, he took that wisdom that he had received from God and he wrote it down in a book called Proverbs and he left it so his sons and children and generations to come could have his gift. If you ever wanted the gift of one of the people in the Bible, you may not be able to get that gift. But this gift is yours. This gift is ours. We as Dads don't have to fret over how to raise children because God, who created children, has told us how. You don't have to worry about life and how to, how to do our families because God, who created families, has shown us how. And he took and he wrote these things down. And in the book of Proverbs are found the wisdom of Solomon written down. And through the study and the direct application of God's word to your life, you can have great wisdom. You know, the study of the Bible doesn't seem to bother me as much as the direct application part. That direct application part's always kind of rubbed me a little bit, right? Because the direct application of God's word to your life is where the power comes from. It seems to be the one step that we fail to, to plug into the system to be successful. But let me tell you, if you will take the teachings of the book of Proverbs, the Solomon's wisdom, and apply that to your life, I promise you, you will not be disappointed. And as we look at the Bible, the, the Bible says plainly that the gift of wisdom is a blessing. You know what? I am blessed. I, many people seem to think that's strange that I constantly talk about I'm blessed. And I live in this attitude of appreciation all the time because I count my blessings and they overflow and I just can't hold it in. How many of you have ever found that when you're really excited about something, you can't hold it in? My family is spoiled. You don't have to, they don't have to worry about Christmas showing up because I can't stand it because if I got a good present, I'm going to give it to them early. 
The better it is, the quicker they get it. Because I can't stand it. I can't stand to wait to give it to them. The better the gift I've got, I can't wait to give it to them. Right? And you know, God is like that. He can't wait to give us really great gifts. So when you break open your Bible and you start to study in Proverbs and you pray to God, God help me to understand this wisdom so that I can apply it in my life, I guarantee you God is going to say yes. Hey, you know what the Bible says in James chapter 1 verse 5? If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to him. I guarantee you. If you'll pray to God and you'll ask him to help you with your study of Proverbs, he will give it to you. I can guarantee you that God's answer to your request is yes. And your life will be forever changed. How many of you find from time to time that God sends his wisdom in such strange ways? You know, such strange ways. I'll tell you what, I'm blessed. Both of my children have great health. Right? And both my children are now teenagers, and they're both accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. They're both actively witnessing to their faith about Jesus, which just makes my heart want to explode. Right? And we're moved here now to a new town and a new place, and they're, they're working in new schools and new, new friends, and, and God's just blessing in so many ways. But right before we came, you know, I was kind of scared a little bit. How many of you are still scared a little bit? Sometimes life scares you a little bit. Well, let me tell you, when you're moving to a new place and your kids are going from a school system where they know every kid in the school from the kindergarten to graduation because there's only a hundred of them. Okay, the school graduates between seven and 15 children in their senior class each year. So our kids have gone to school their entire school life with the same kids. They know them all. They know everything about them. They've been in class with them for years and years. And now they're about to go to a new school where you have more than six. <laughs> and I'm all scared and worried about what that's going to be like for them. And I'm worried about, are we going to sell our house? And are we going to move? And are we going to, oh, what's that all going to be like? And then my teenage son comes up to me, puts his hand on my shoulder and says, Dad, we're in good hands. I said, I wonder where he learned that. <laughs> where did he get that from? Who's he been watching? Then I come to my senses like, oh, I better wake up and smell the roses because my kids need to see that I dare to believe in a God who can and does answer prayers. Right? So, hey, everybody, I want to challenge you today. Men, women, kids, all of us, we all need wisdom. If we're going to be successful in anything in this life, we need wisdom, right? And, and how do you know if you've arrived? How do you know that you're there? There may be some here saying, well, this doesn't apply to me because I'm already a wise man. I hope so. But we're going to see about that here in just a minute because in the book of Proverbs, it's real interesting. You know, the neat thing about the book of Proverbs, there's only two groups of people. It's easy to understand. You're a foolish child or a wise man. You're either a fool or a wise person according to the book of, of wisdom. When you look at wisdom, it'll say a wise man does this and a foolish man does that. And every time you read it and realize that you do that, you realize which side you're on. Most people don't enjoy the study of Proverbs very much because they don't like being called stupid. Now, I was, I was out west, I was out west and, and a lady told me, that's a, 
The kids all reacted real funny when I said that because out there they have this thing going in Wyoming where stupid is a, is a dirty word. And I think that's pretty good, really, you think that through. They've taught their kids, don't say that word. That's a cuss word, stupid. Don't say that. So then the preacher gets up and says, stupid, and did I look stupid? Right? And, but anyway, you know, the, the funny thing about the book of Proverbs, you know, when you're studying the book of Proverbs, and you get to chapter 12, and you read verse 1, and it says, if you don't do this, you're stupid. You see, God sometimes shakes us up and says, hey, you're not being very wise like you think. And one of the ways he does it is, he says, well, okay, here are the signs of a wise man. What, what would a wise person look like? I wish when you come in today, I would have gave you a paper. I should have been more prepared. Gave you a paper and had you fill it all out for me. So you could turn that in. The sign of a wise man is what? If you meet a person and you say, well, there's a wise man, well, what's he look like? Or you say to yourself, I'd like to be a wise man, well, then what would you look like? What is the sign of a wise man, really? According to God, in the book of Proverbs, there are five ways you can tell if you're a wise man, right? The five signs of a wise man are found throughout the book of Proverbs. And in five different ways, the Bible clearly states that we can see if we are wise men. So dads, are you a wise guy? Think that through just a minute. Okay. Are you a wise man or a wise guy? Hey, you know, there's a way we can know, right? And when you look at people and you think, should I trust their advice? How do you know if that person's wise? Or not? How do you know? Well, in the book of Proverbs, as we follow along, we're going to see that there are five signs of a wise man. And the first characteristic of a wise man is he leans not on his own understanding. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Hey, straight paths. Boy, those are good things. For those of you who've never lived in the great state of Wyoming, there's a lot of neat places you could, you could see if you had a helicopter because there aren't any roads to go there. I, I, I traveled around the state of Wyoming in, in my job, and there'd be places that were only 30, 40 miles away. Eight hours I'd drive to get there. Halfway around the state to get around the mountains to go back there's hardly any roads and the roads don't go straight to where you want to go. So it makes every journey twice as far as it needs to be. And it seems like in my life, that's been the story of my life. Everything I do, I do in a roundabout way and take, I take about two steps forward and slide three steps back. And then I learn a lesson from that and eventually get to where I'm going. But you know what the Bible says? The Bible says, if I will trust in the Lord with all of my heart and lean not on my own understanding in all of my ways. If I acknowledge him, he would make my path straight. He would make my job easier. He would make things go better for me. And what God is trying to say to us is don't follow the God of your imagination. Follow the God that is. Now you say, Brother Hamilton, what do you mean by that? Don't follow the God of your imagination. Well, you know, a lot of people have a God they made up. I'll say to them, and I'll talk to them, I'll say, well, the Bible says, and I'll say, but, but I don't believe that. I believe we should what? You know, I saw a bumper sticker one day on a car, 
It's bugged me to this day. If I had it to do over, I'd have sit there and waited for him to come out of Walmart until he finally showed up. I wanted to take a highlighter pen and blacken that out. It says, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Wrong. God says it, that settles it, if you believe it or not. Right? God said it, that settles it. If you believe it or not, it's still the truth. You see, when God says it and we believe it, we are wise. But how many times have you met up with people or talked to people or in your own life deal with situations where you say, I know the Bible says I should do it this way, but I believe I ought to do it that way. I believe this is a better way. You see, when we do, we are leaning on our own understanding. We honestly believe in our hearts we know better than God. And when you do, you are a foolish man. The foolish man thinks he knows better than God how to deal with people in the world in which God created, right? And what happens every time you think you know better than God and you do it your way? How's that always turn out for you? Makes your path a little longer and harder than it needed to be, doesn't it? But when it comes to raising families, dads, don't try it your way. Try it God's way. I guarantee you, God knows a lot about being a dad. God knows people and he knows your kids. He made them. And he knows exactly what they need. And if you'll do it God's way, your family will turn out the way God intended it to be. And it'll be better than you ever dreamed it could be. Right? Hey everyone, a wise man does not lean on his own understanding. He asks God how it should be. Hey, second, he seeks out and he listens to advice. Oh, sometimes studying Proverbs is not near as fun as it should be. He seeks out and he listens to advice. Listen to Proverbs chapter 13, verse 10. Pride only brings quarrels, but wisdom is found in those who take advice. In chapter 15, verse 22, it says, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. And again, in chapter 20, verse 18, it says, make plans by seeking advice. If you wage war, obtain guidance. Now, to translate this into plain English, I put it down like this. A wise man, you know him when you see him because he always reads the instructions first. <laughs> How many of you, like me, believe that an instruction booklet is for the inept to overcome what they couldn't do and should have been able to do already. Amen. You know, it's a personal challenge to put something together without the instructions. Hey, when you build something without the instructions, it makes you feel smart. It doesn't work, but it looks good. Right? How many of you, like me, read the instructions only if it doesn't work? We try it our own way, and if that doesn't work, then... We read the instructions to see what in the heck is going wrong. What's wrong with this piece of junk, right? Who engineered this thing? I wouldn't have put it together that way. But you know what? When you put it together the way the instructions say, it sometimes works. <laughs> but hey, I know all of you. All of us guys, we're the same. If we don't know where we're at, we just pull over and ask instructions. <laughs> if I can talk my wife into it. 
Pray for me, saints. Pray for me. Right? I hate asking for instructions. I hate asking for advice. I, I want to be self-sufficient. I want to be able to handle this on my own. I don't want to take advice. I want to give advice. Right? Because that's a sign that you've arrived. We as men shouldn't have to ask how to do that job. When we clean up the blood afterwards, we'll read the instructions. <laughs> right? When you don't read the instructions, everybody, you know what you do? You enter a real fast learning curve. It usually hurts real bad, but you learn real fast. Right? Hey, everybody, how many of you would consider yourself to be of the discernment that you realize that you always need to read the instructions? Hey, dads, you want to be successful? Read the instructions. They're in your Bible. Read them first. Because we're not building toys for kids for Christmas or a playground or a new ceiling fan. You blow that, you kick a breaker. But your kids, they deserve better. We need to read the instructions because we're dealing with kids and we need to not be making so many mistakes. Oh, I look back now, I sure would have been a lot better parent now. I wonder why God had me wait till I was 34 to get married because I was such a slow learner. <laughs> right? Why wasn't Daniel born until I was 40? Because God knew better than to send him any quicker. <laughs> and then at that age, what did he do? He gave me a whole church family to look after my kids so they could survive me. <laughs> my kids have more grandparents than anybody I know. Praise God, I am blessed. Right? You know, the whole church, the ladies in the church... They look at me like the nurse did when I carried Elizabeth out for the first time. And they've taken my kids in and they've raised them for me. And I tell you, the church does a good job of helping you raise your kids. Hey, you know what else the Bible says? Third, he is always teachable and he wants to learn. He's looking to learn. Proverbs 18, 15. Proverbs 18, 15 reads, The heart of the discerning acquires knowledge. The ears of the wise, they seek it out. In verse 19, verse 27, it says, Stop listening to instruction, my son, and you will stray from the words of knowledge. Again, in chapter 23, verse 12, it says, Apply your heart to instruction and your ears to the words of knowledge. Hey, a wise man is what? He's like a baby. He's always wanting to change. How about that? A wise man is like a baby. He's always wanting to change. Hey, you know what I really want in my life? I really, really, really want to be more like Jesus. Right? Every guy in here, what do you really want? Be more like Jesus. That requires you to change. If we want to become like Jesus, we got to quit being like ourselves. We got to change. And change has got to be a good thing. And we got to not fight change. We got to celebrate change when it's becoming more like Christ. When we become less like the world, more like Jesus, that's a really good change.
right? Hey, we, we, we should be about seeking to change by studying God's word, seeing what we need to change, and bringing about those changes in our lives and the lives of our church. Sure enough, change in a Baptist church is one of the hardest things there is, but it's one of the most desperate things we need because we need to be more like Jesus. You know, I can stand here and say, hey, we need to be more like Jesus. And everybody will say, yes, we need to change. People say, hey, ho, 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 ho. We are Baptist, right? Hey, everybody, but still, to become more like Jesus means we need to grow spiritually. And we need to grow in our prayer life and our Bible study. And as we grow and we discover what God wants us to be, then we need to become that. And in becoming that, then we become more like Jesus. And the world then gets to see how a wise church operates and does things, right? Hey, fourth, it says the wise man is careful of what kind of company he keeps. How about that? He's careful about what kind of company he keeps. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. In Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20, he who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Hey, you know, I've, I'm a dad, and I'm a human, and I'm just taking my kids out of a, a, a Mayberry school system. And you may not know it, but Norburn, Missouri is a lot like May, Mayberry. Hey, our, our policeman is the pastor of McCroskey Creek Baptist Church. He's the chairman of the school board. And he owns a taxidermist shop uptown. <laughs> and our church building had a big sign on it because we were having trouble with deliveries that said, delivery people, this church is always open. Just come on in and leave your stuff. And nothing ever disappeared, ever. Because, you know, we sold our house in Norburn. The people who bought it wanted the keys. We'd owned it for several years, we'd never used them. Didn't know where them were or if the door's really locked. If our kids took electronics to school, they'd take them away from them and tell them, sit them on the end of the bleachers down there. Come back after school and get them. They were there when they come back. Now they're in Lee County schools. <laughs> We've got five doors that come into our house. It takes me 15 minutes at night to lock them all. <laughs> and I'm living with the reality, when my kids go to this school, the most important decision they're going to make is who their friends are. What's going to influence them more than anything else? Who their friends are. I tell them all the time, I say, hey, listen to me. How do you know who your friends are? How do you know who your friends are? Well, I know who my friends are. Those are my friends. I say, are they your friends? Do they constantly build you up? Are they constantly trying to push you on to be more like Jesus? Are they constantly trying to uplift you and encourage you to do more, be more? Well, no. Then they're not your friends. 
You see, your friends lift you up. They encourage you. They uplift you. They fan the flame. They help you to become more like you want to become. And you see, if my children choose poorly their friends, their future may well hold drugs and alcohol instead of Bibles and missionary trip stories. You see, the most important choice they'll make is the friends they choose. And you know how our kids choose friends? The way we do. They watch us and how we do. You see, we need to teach our kids to be careful of whom you take advice and whom you call friends. Some people might say to me, Brother Hamlet, you say we should stay away from people, all kinds of, no, 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 no. We need to be in contact with as many people of all kinds of cultures and backgrounds as we can be. How else are we going to teach them about Jesus? But we don't take advice from them. And we don't allow them in our inner circle to influence us. When we go down to, to the people and we witness to people and, and they're, they're involved in things that, that we would never dream of being involved in, we shouldn't become like them. We don't go there to join them. We go there to help them escape. Not join in with their mistake. You see, the wise man picked closely those in whom he takes advice. You see, it says we're supposed to take advice. But what if you take advice from a fool? You'll become one. You see, we got to be careful that we can not only become a wise man, but we can recognize one when we see one so we know who to listen to. Right? And God challenges us that, that a godly person, a wise man, is careful with the company he keeps. And lastly, the wise man is victorious. He's powerful. He's established by God by the power of trusting others. He's not a lone ranger. You know, there's a lot of things I've studied in the Bible that I've enjoyed. And this one I enjoy the least. How many of you know of some things in the Bible that, that you enjoy a lot? You read them over and over. And there's other texts that you deliberately try to skip over. I'm going to skip that. I'm not going to highlight that one. I'm going to look over that. This is the one for me. Everybody has their great challenge, right? Everyone has their, their struggle. What is mine? I want to be a Lone Ranger. I grew up wanting to be the Lone Ranger. I watched Jeremiah Johnson, and Jeremiah Johnson, the mountain man, he didn't need nobody, right? Jeremiah Johnson didn't need nobody. He lived on his own. He was self-sufficient. He, he survived, and when his buddy at the end wanted to go with him and partner up with him, he stops him in the middle of a sentence and says to him, you'll do well on your own, because he didn't need anybody. Well, that works okay in the movies, but in real life, that doesn't work so well. You see, there's no place in the world for long rangers. And that's a great challenge for me because I want to be a long ranger. Because then I only have to trust in me and I only have to take my own advice and I only have to be responsible for my own mistakes. And I don't have to, to deal with the consequences of friendship and, and what that costs. You see, I desire in my heart to be a hermit, to live alone and to be out of the way. Why? Because that's the easy way. And God's called me to the pastor, to pastor with people. And not only that, the thing that you don't understand about pastors is true. You see, a pastor is victorious and powerful and established 
by the vote of others, by the work of others, by the confidence he has in others. You see, because you get together and you vote, I pack up my family, I sell off my worldly possessions, and I move to a world that's not my own. And I do it because I dare to believe in you. You see, my choice and direction in life is no longer my own. It's made for me by others who I don't even know. And because I believe in them, my life is better than it would have ever been had I followed myself. You see, when we understand the gift that is one another and we start to trust in others and we put ourselves out there and say, if you don't catch me, I'm going to fall, then we are stronger than we'll ever be alone. You see, the wise man understands he needs people. He needs other people and he needs to trust people and believe in people. And not doubt people. And the people will live up to their expectations. One of the greatest lessons for Father's Day is this. Believe in your kids. Trust your kids. Have hope in them. Show them you believe in them. And just see if they don't live up to your expectations. Right? How many of you ever met a kid that was in trouble all his life? And his dad says to you, I knew he would be. It's exactly what I expected out of him. Let me tell you, I met one of those kids. Changed my life in Norburn, Missouri. We had a youth program there. And there were some kids that came to that youth program that were from some rough families. I, I'm not kidding you now. They came from some backgrounds that you can't imagine. And there was one family that had, a, had started coming. And I'm not kidding you. It, it, was, it was a difficult situation for us. You know, these, these kids just seemed to have no sense of right, wrong, or respect, or anything. They'd come into church anyway, do anything. We'd try to teach them, try to talk to them about, you know, just fundamental things, simple things. And then we were going to have a youth Sunday at the church, and we're going to have one here. I promise you, we're going to have one here. We're going to have a youth Sunday at our church then, and youth were going to take over. They were going to teach our Sunday school classes, all of them. They were going to take up the offering, all of them. They were going to do the prayers in the front. They were going to lead the singing. They were going to play. They were going to preach. Oh, that scared them. I had people volunteering to be everybody but me. <laughs> My wife was a youth director. She comes up to me and she says, oh, MR, got two preachers this time. Got two youth going to preach for you this time. The first one didn't scare me too bad from a good family. Never had any problem with him. Second one, you know where he come from. What family he was from. I don't have to tell you, I was a little shook up. I told him, I told Katie, that's fine. But let me tell you what. You send that boy to my office, I'm going to put the fear of the Lord in him. 
Because I could see this kid, he, he's always causing trouble and trying to draw attention to himself. Don't tell him what he'd say or do. I mean, he was a, he was a mess. Yeah? He reminded me a lot of myself when I was a kid. That's what scared me. Take one to know one. I said, I've seen that boy before. I know him. Let me tell you what, that Sunday he got up. Out in the crowd was his family, his whole family, his mom and dad. His dad had a scar on his face. He's looking at his son like, you pull a fast one, boy, and I'm going to get you. He sat right on the end so he could get out. I was trembling, wondering what he's going to say. He got up there and preached his brains out. And then he got to the end of his message, right? And he started praying. And before he could think about what he was saying, he says, thank you, God, for the best day of my life. Thank you, God, for the best day of my life. It sunk into me. It cut me to the heart. That's the first time anybody ever believed in him and trusted him with anything. Invitation time come. Here comes his daddy. Dad got saved that day. We baptized him just a few weeks later. And his dad says to me, I only came to this church for one reason. One reason alone. Because I knew that no count son of mine was up to something and he was going to do something. And I was here and I was going to pulverize him. And instead, he led me to Christ. Let me tell you, people live up to your expectations. I looked at him and I said to him, son, if you've got one serious bone in your body, you better break it out. Because if you don't, I'm going to break all the other bones in your body. <laughs> he looked at me and he says, brother Amar, I will not disappoint you. There's a young lady in this church right here. She's a free spirit. Old Brianna. She's in the band. Well, my daughter had to go to band, her first one the other day. Oh, me. She was in tears, crying. This big band, 200 people in it, Daddy. They got to go to this big band. I had spoken to Brianna and I said, Brie, I believe in you, girl. Don't you let me down. I need you. And when we pulled in the parking lot, who was out front? Who was there for me? Bree. Because she wasn't going to let my daughter go alone. You see, when you believe in people, they live up to your expectations. Friends, God believes in you. You just need to hear it. Your Father in heaven believes in you. And you are going to live up to his expectations. Even if you don't believe it yourself. Hear me plain. God believes in you. Young parents, who God believes in you or he wouldn't have sent you those children. And if God believes in you, so do I.
And when we start believing in each other and we start living like we do, let's just see, let's just see if the people you believe in aren't worth your confidence. Hey, God believes in you. Start believing in yourself. You see, God has given us a tremendous blessing, a tremendous gift in the living Word of God. And if you dare believe it and apply it to your life, you will not fall. And you will not ever be disappointed. Why? Because this Word is true. And in it, you're going to discover that God believes in you. And we do too. You voted, we came. And we are not disappointed. We had confidence in you, and it was rightfully so. And we are blessed. Will you pray with me? Dear Lord, as we pause in your presence, as we thank you this moment with all of our heart and all of our soul for the gift of your Son and the written word that is alive and well this very day, we stop in your presence as our nation comes together to celebrate being dads, being chosen for such a wonderful day as this. And in this moment, we thank you. In this moment, we praise you. And in this moment, we beseech you, if there's one in this room that doesn't know you as the Lord and Savior, that this would be the day that they surrender and give you and your word to try. God, for all of us that are here, I pray that our hearts have been challenged to test ourselves daily, to see to it that we are living in the wisdom that you've given us, that we've taken and opened that gift and applied it to our life this day. And these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. During this time of invitation as we stand, I challenge you if you're here and you don't know Jesus, your Lord and Savior, that you would come. Let me share with you.